don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. There's no algorithm in your inbox. I am my algorithm. We were joined by Teresa Heath-Waring, who is the director at THW Marketing and is also a renowned keynote speaker in marketing. Yes, we know social media is a great brand awareness tool, but what about when you're actually trying to get people to convert? On this podcast, we spoke lead magnets, carpet bombing, and how to get inside the head of a mother-to-be. Three things I knew nothing about before we recorded this podcast. I promise you it is an excellent episode. If you are talking to the right person in the right place, they should be sat there thinking, are you in my head right now? Because that's how I feel. All this and more coming up. How can brands go beyond grabbing attention on social and actually convert people? Okay, so I think when it comes to social media, there's like a big myth that lots of brands think if they literally send a tweet or post something on Facebook, that suddenly they're going to double their sales tomorrow. (laughs) And unfortunately, as much as we'd love it to be that way, it's not the case. So it takes a bit more work to actually get people to do something. And this is the whole point. I think we have got all this amazing content that we can put out. We can kind of show people what we do and how we do it and talk about our products and talk about who we are as a company. But sometimes we actually forget to ask them to do that thing. Mm. And the other thing is, people jump the gun too much and they ask them to do something too much too quick. So either you go from doing nothing where you're just going, hey, look, here's a nice post, or you've got those other companies and brands who are going, buy our stuff. And then they're not wondering why people aren't buying their stuff. So I think people are forgetting that, or brands are forgetting that you're you've got some steps to go through as you would on any other platform. The same way as if someone signs up to your email list, they're not going to buy straight away. Or if someone met you or walked into the shop, they may not buy straight away. So I think online, people forget that those steps still have to happen and they're struggling to to move through those steps. Mm. Can you then do all of those steps staying purely online? Because I know when we spoke uh, previously, Mm -hmm. uh, we talked a little bit about the importance of having more of an integrated strategy um, that takes you a few... um, different platforms but obviously the way that Facebook etc are um, pushing their products now they want people to stay on the platforms for as long as possible Mm -hmm. do you think that that knowledge is preventing some brands and publishers from creating that integrated approach yeah I do I think Um, I think you can do it both ways in all honesty and I think it's going to be one of those things that you have to test and one might be better than the other. It might be better to send people away from the platform or it might be better to keep people on the platform. So like you said, let's take Facebook. Great example. They do not want people leaving the platform. Mm. And even though ads that are sending people away are still performing okay, Mm. sometimes if you can do the whole thing within the platform, then great, or certainly a huge chunk of it. So let's say we're trying to get someone onto an email list because obviously the beauty of pulling people off the platform or having another way to contact them is just so key because as we all know, we don't own these platforms. That data isn't ours. And God forbid that any of us break a term and condition or something happens or we get locked out of an account or whatever and anything could happen. Um, So God forbid that happen. You really do want to get their email addresses. So on Facebook, there's two ways in which you can go about that. One that takes them off and one that keeps them on. So in terms of taking them off, let's say you were going to do something like a lead magnet you could do an ad that sent them to a landing page external to Facebook. 
And then you can also do an ad that sends them, that's a lead ad that keeps them on the platform, but still gets their email address and their name, Mm. which is what you want as the the business owner, as the brand. However, one thing that you need to address with these two things, when we've done ads like this in the past, you will often find that the people who have gone to your website to do that thing, so whether it's to get a discount code, whether it's to register for a lead magnet or whatever it is, if they've had to leave the platform and go and put their details in, you'll find that that number is probably less than if you do the lead ad within Facebook. However, Mm. the quality of the person is better. Really? Yeah, because if you think like... If I want someone to engage with me and do something, I want them to have a bit of effort involved. And actually, that takes a bit of effort. Going to a separate Mm. page, trusting that it's the same Mm. people that you've just seen an advert for. Obviously, a lot of that comes down to the ad design and the page design. But getting them to that page and then when they land on a page, then convincing them on the page to give you your details. Mm. If they're doing that, then they for sure want the thing you're offering and yeah. they are much stronger candidate for yeah. taking them steps further. Mm. Whereas when you're doing a lead ad, it's all done within the platform. It's already pre-filled. So they don't even have to put their name and email address in. It's literally taken from their Facebook account that they're using. And they basically just have to go submit, submit, done. And therefore the um, buy-in from them is less. And I know yeah. it sounds daft because it's only like, well, you've only just got to put your details no, in. It makes them. sense that like they're more engaged if they've proven sure. that engagement. Can you just um, give a few examples of a lead magnet because I know yeah. I don't know for any of our listeners but when um, when I first heard the term I had no idea what it was okay <laughs> so yeah so lead magnets are I guess they're probably more well known in the knowledge industry so like uh, what I do that I teach and I educate and I train people and therefore a lead magnet for me is super, super easy to do. You would literally say, do you want to know this thing and make it good, like really good? Mm. So, you know, normally something like quick wins or some advice or some a checklist or a ready-made something works really well. But you'd just give people either a download or a video or access to something that is going to help improve their business. Mm. So that's easy in the knowledge industry. Often I think in with brands that sell products, they struggle because they think, well, I can't really do lead magnets, but they absolutely can. And they can do it from one of two ways. So they either look at what their product is and they choose a complementing type subject and do a knowledge lead magnet. So let's say you uh, sell a baby product. Let's say, I don't know, you sell baby mattresses. Then you might have a lead magnet that talks about how to better get your baby to sleep or Mm, a product around safety and sleep or key things you must know as a parent for a baby sleeping or whatever. So they could create a lead magnet like that. And the idea of the lead magnet, it's never to sell full on. So it's not like... It's not like the minute you send that, you go, oh, and the thing that's going to help them sleep is buy our stuff because that isn't going to work. The idea is you should give it away with the kind of um, knowledge that you're educating, helping, supporting, brilliant. And there you go. And if you don't want to do anything else, then that's fine. Mm. That's just a nice, warm feeling. But of course, the fact is what you're doing by sending that to someone, you are going, you are definitely my target market because you wouldn't be downloading. I have no babies. My daughter is now nine. I don't plan on having any babies and therefore I have no interest in some PDF that helps me or tells me how to get a baby to sleep better or the safety. So the fact is if they're downloading that thing, they are for sure your customer or connected to someone that's your customer. Mm. So it might be a grandparent doing it for 
you know, mum or whatever. But there is definitely something somewhere that says, yes, they're they're right for you. So they can still do stuff like that. But then, of course, the other thing that are lead magnets, which maybe people wouldn't describe as lead magnets, are coupons and discounts and competitions are great lead magnets. But again, often they don't think about... Um, or I don't see a whole lot of, right, how do I get them off the platform and get them to give me their details? Because the ultimate goal of a lead magnet is one of two things. One, get another way to market to them because email marketing isn't dead, even though some people might feel it is, it isn't, and it's definitely still worth doing. But two, it's what I like to call a hand raiser. So when you're putting your message out to the world, whether it be through content or whether it's through advertising, you've got to look at, say, thousands of people who are consuming that every day and you've got to find those ones that are actually your customer and by giving them a way to put their hand up and go oh yeah yeah I need I need to know more or yeah I would be interested in a discount or yeah I want to enter that competition then it just kind of makes you go great that's a potential customer yeah what's the key differentiator Teresa because we see a lot of lead magnets and what you've mm-hmm. described you see a lot of smaller businesses do it and you'll always yeah. go to their website and it'd be written in there there's a sort of web style of copywriting mm-hmm. isn't it what is the differentiator for the big brands who have got things to give away, who are all trying to give away seemingly discounts and coupons? Yeah, I think for them, the opportunity is just bigger to be more creative, to do something more um, involved. So I saw a great example the other day of, um, I'm not going to remember who it is, so that's fine, but I can explain. So it was an airline who was saying that you could win a plane, as in the plane would take you to a destination in Europe and you would fill it with your friends and family and then you have a holiday in wherever place it is for like a week or two weeks and then they fly you home. Like, check that, that out as a prize. I'm a like, bit good you can't remember the actual airline. I know, I'll be, I know. I'll be <laughs> like, I'm doing it. But honestly, right, so we're sat looking, it came up on a Facebook ad, great, and we're looking at what you have to do and boy, do you need to work hard for that. And rightly so, because they're giving you away a flight for free, not just for you, but for loads of people Mm. and a holiday. But the stuff you had to do is, so basically you had to say how you would theme the plane, what type of holiday would you have? You had to record a video, you had to do this, that and the other. So they have the opportunity to do much bigger and more amazing things or more um, sort of experiential things. So as a smaller brand, as someone, you know, a business like mine, it's really hard to put on a free event because obviously that costs a lot of money. It's hard to go out into the street and create something some kind of buzz or scenario or whatever. Whereas actually they can do stuff like that. They can create more of a thing because they have the budgets and they have the the team and that sort of stuff. So I think for me, it's about taking the idea of a lead magnet and thinking, okay, how could we make this like even bigger and even better? You know, can we do... Um, a whole day free of training where we get live people on and we interview them all. You know, it's just kind of those different things that I think they could just take it a step bigger and better. Mm. And going back to your example with with the plane, is is there an element of too good to be true that causes some people to drop off, do you think? Is there a balancing game to play with that where it's like, of course you're not going to give me these, you know, eight box sets for free, for instance, of how to, you know, be better at business or whatever. Yeah, I think, do you know what, years ago, I've been in marketing a very long time, feeling very old today. Um, so years ago, I remember going in and working with a company that basically gave away holidays. And it was like, you had to collect so many cutouts on some food thing. And hardly anybody ever claimed it because of that thing. And I went and met the company that ran these competitions. They were like, no, they're all real. They are real. But people just don't think it's 
it's right because it looks too good to be true. Mm. So for me, what the the company, the flight company did was they, or the holiday company, they did it perfectly. The minute you saw what you had to do, you went, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so I think it's more about the balance. So when we're doing competitions online and especially on social media as a lead magnet, you've got to think about what are you asking them to do. Mm. Now, if you're using it as a lead magnet, you're trying to get their email and their name. So you need to give them a bit of a better prize than just like our page and we'll give you a bottle of gin or we'll mm. give you a 10% discount and whatever. It needs to be something a bit more engaging because it's that balance. So uh, we're running a competition at the moment and uh, for a client and we're giving away gin. They're a gin client. And it literally is like the page, tell us what gin you want because they do different flavors. So of course we're getting the engagement because they're liking the Instagram page, but we're also getting the engagement through them telling us which gin they want. Mm. And all they're going to get is a bottle of gin because that that balance is fine. Yeah, it's simple. Exactly. So it's like one bottle of gin, you, all you have to do is like some things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it does. It goes down amazingly well. But if you want to say to them, right, I need you to give me your email address or I want you to take a photo or I want you to do something that is a bit more effort, then you're going to have to up that prize. Yeah. So I think to go back to your original question, I... I think it used to be the case. I don't think so now. And also, social media is so um, accountable. You know, if you're going to put something out there into the world, the world we're in now, and yeah. bearing in mind when I spoke to this company, we were not in the world we're in now. We didn't have social media <laughs> right. like we do now. So they're really accountable. So if something was to go wrong or this didn't come to fruition, then it would be so Game easily over. found out. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, for me, the part of that whole competition that they were running is the fact of the content that they're going to create from that is phenomenal. One of the things that we do if we're running any competitions is in the terms and conditions, we will say you need to, any photos you take, mm. we're going to use as content. This is a quick fire way of getting UGC, I suppose. Mm, yeah. for, you know, for sure. And, and just making every like using every little bit and going I need that I was gonna say I don't know um have you experienced any like hesitation or pushback from brands who are a bit wary of giving away too much for free because obviously every brand's Mm -hmm. bottom line is to get a good return on investment so if you're giving away like x amount of products or even if it's just in terms of resource and all you're Mm -hmm. getting back is Facebook likes um which obviously don't have any monetary value um I guess where is the appeal for brands who maybe have a smaller budget or aren't willing to Uh, give more than they take. Yeah, I think I agree that some brands, and you don't want to give too much away because like I said, you're going to devalue the product. Mm. And I think depending on the thing you're giving away and what you're asking, I think the higher the value the product or the higher the value thing you're giving away, the more exclusive you make it. So Mm. there's a great example. um, I think it's Taylor Swift, I think. So Taylor Swift on her um, Twitter account must get like Can you imagine how many DMs a day? Like Mm -hmm. a disgusting amount. No way that she can reply to them. No way that she can interact with them. So what she does is on occasion she picks a random DM, but she doesn't just DM them back or tweet them back or retweet them. She records a video or sings them a song. So what happens is people are still like constantly interacting with her Mm. because even though they know on the whole you're not going to hear from her, if you do get picked as one of those things, then suddenly it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. So again, the money can't buy stuff is brilliant. So it's not just necessarily about throw loads of money at it. It could just be like an experience thing. It could be we'll get 
you know, George Clooney to phone you up, let's say, I don't know. Or So often when they're teaming up with some of these ambassadors, mm. you know, is there something they can use there that is a money can't buy? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to come down to, right, you've got to give away thousands of pounds worth of stuff. It can be, I think stuff's easy because that's normally the stuff that's the cheapest, isn't it? Because obviously the markup on it and the actual cost of the thing, that's normally the cheapest thing to give away. But get creative yeah definitely I think that's a really good point it just reminded me of um, something I saw on Woucher recently uh, I don't know if you know but they do it annually where basically you can book like a surprise holiday and it's only like £99 per person but some of the options are like amazing it would be much more like oh, wow. uh, it would be worth so much more than that but they only do it once a year and it was the first time I'd used Woucher and I have to say it's like intrigued me to the brand because I thought oh they only do like so like group one I thought it was yeah, like 10% yeah, yeah. of a haircut yeah. or something but no, they actually do stuff like that I'm a bit more like looped in now. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Mm. And that'd be interesting to know how many were really good and how many were dire. Yeah. You know, because that's the worry. <laughs> well, I find out in like a month. So we'll oh, you did it. Oh my God, that <laughs> yeah. is amazing. We need to have an update on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so we know how that went and was it any good. <laughs> or they can put something in like edited version. Yeah. <laughs> Teresa, I want to ask you where where this where these lead magnets fit into the consumer journey on social because okay. we both know that it's completely different on social now yeah where does it depend on the lead magnet does it yeah for sure okay so the very first thing is uh obviously getting them onto your social and getting them to see you that is step number one goes without saying so lead magnets really talk about people who are engaged i.e they're already on your platforms they're already engaging with your stuff however there's still a step before a lead magnet now there's a um a process called, apparently, this is what this is called. I never knew it was called this. Carpet bombing on Facebook, where basically someone said to me, do you know what, car uh, do you do carpet bombing? And I was thinking, what is that? Sounds thinking, rude. Yeah, I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, this is something I should know. And I Googled it. I was like, yeah, I do that. I just didn't know it had a name. Like, where did that come from? But basically what it is, is a video ad is a really good thing to do this with. So if you have a video ad that is free content or brand awareness or something that basically is like just a nice thing, you're not asking them to do anything, you're not asking them to go anywhere, you're literally just putting a video out and you have to kind of in your head know this isn't going to make me anything. This isn't, I'm not doing this to bring in money or bring in emails. So then you put that out and what you do is you then create a custom audience based on the people who have watched that ad. So Obviously, if someone's got halfway through an ad, and it all depends, and I wish there was a hard and fast rule I could give you here, but it's not. But it depends on what the content is, how long the content's on for, and that sort of thing. But basically, let's say you've done a minute video and someone has watched 30 seconds of it. The chances are they're interested in what you're doing mm. because no one's going to sit there and watch a 30-second video if it's specific enough if it's, if it's of no interest to them. Again, yeah. let's go to my baby example talking about baby sleeping I'm not going to watch a video the second I see what that is I'm scrolling past because it has no interest to in me yeah. so if someone's watched it for half the time or you know 45% at the time then they are a really warm prospect for that mm. so then I would then serve another ad to those people with a lead magnet, but to the warm audience. So you've kind of had a filter out already and then you're going to send something else to them. And the other thing you're going to do is every time they see your brand, every time something gets put in front of them, it's that kind of reassurance and that warming them up of saying, oh yeah, that's them again. Oh yeah, it, they do that. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, this is the thing. So for me, it's about warming them up with that kind of free video that doesn't ask them to do anything, hopefully gives them a bit of added value, mm -hmm. then give them some kind of lead magnet. I would always start low. I think 
especially in the knowledge industry, people do like 50 page ebooks. I haven't got time to read a 50 page yeah. ebook, like mm. too much. And if I've only just discovered you, I don't know how good you are or how good your content is. And that's too much too soon. Mm. So I would suggest something really small, really quick wins. So five ways in which you can get a baby to sleep. Mm. Five things you must know. Also, the negative side of that also really works. So five things that you can have in a nursery that would keep your baby awake. Mm. So things or um, one of the best podcast episodes I've ever done was something about five things you should never do on social media. Because people want to know, oh, God, what are those five things that I what shouldn't do? End. So yeah. the negative stuff actually sometimes works a little bit better than the the more positive mm. stuff. So I would do that. And then we have been known to then do a bigger and more involved lead magnet. So it might be, um, there's an amazing example of a guy called James Wedmore and I'm part of his um, kind of masterminded group and he does this course that's three and a half thousand dollars, sells it to entrepreneurs. It's a fairly expensive course. So this requires a lot of investment. Also, there's an event which is in Laguna Beach. So you've got to get to Laguna Beach. I mean, there's worse places in the world yeah. for an event, isn't there? <laughs> um, so basically... He can't go from a one-page PDF to then going, would you like to buy a $3,500 course from me? Yeah. So what he does is he has that one-page PDF and then he does something what, that he terms BizFlix and it's like his Netflix of business. But he does something like an eight-part video series and each video is like 15 to 20 minutes long. It's huge. It's a massive lead magnet and it's crammed full of good stuff. But the point is... If you can't watch these videos for free, the chances of you ever signing up for a three and a half thousand dollar course is slim to none. Yeah. So he's asking you to step up your investment. And even though your investment at this point is only time, it's kind of saying no one is going to go from that PDF straight to that three and a half thousand. Mm -hmm. However, if I'm selling a product that is fifteen dollars or twenty dollars or pounds, too used to speaking in in uh, a dollar stuff. Um, but yeah, if it's like 15, 20 pounds or whatever it might be, then you probably could go from a PDF straight to selling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just kind of working out those steps and working about how comfortable you would be in terms of taking them to the next step. On yeah. that subject, Teresa, with, 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 with you mentioned the steps. Now, what I want to ask you about is because all this sounds very uh, rooted in a way in it, like it would work for email marketing. It would mm -hmm. work for blogs. Yeah. With social, we know obviously you've not, it doesn't seem like you've got nearly as much time to brand build yeah. because of an algorithmic feed yeah. that posts stuff in a non chronological mm -hmm. order. So, is this the sort of strategy that only really works for paid and that targeting, or is this something that can be done organically? I've seen people do it um, on LinkedIn. But then mm. that's like B to B, B focus, I guess. Yeah. Your question yeah. is focus more on B to C your brands Facebooks, on social. Your Instagrams, yeah, your... for sure. I think every time we do anything like this, we advertise it. So we do use Facebook ads, we use Instagram ads. Excuse me. <clears throat> not so much on Twitter and LinkedIn, not so much either. But those two, we always do ads. That's not to say that we don't put it everywhere else. And I think this is the thing where the integration comes in, mm -hmm. where sometimes thinking of social standalone really can harm your, your opportunities everywhere else. So if we were going to promote a lead magnet and we wanted to go all in on that lead magnet, we would be putting on every social media platform and not just once, several times. And so Twitter would probably put it daily. One of our, you know, five, six posts a day, we'd put one up about that lead magnet. We'd obviously change it. So they wouldn't all look the same. They would 
wouldn't all talk the same. So we'd have a consistent look and feel, but we would kind of mix it up a little bit. We'd put it on Facebook several times in a week. We'd put it on, you know, Twitter, uh, on Instagram several times. We'd do stories about it. We'd do different types of stories about it. And then we'd advertise it. But then we'd put it on email signatures. We'd put it on our cover photos for our social platforms. We would put it on a pop-up on our website. We would have it on anything and everything. So literally when you sit there and think, what am I sending out or how are we communicating? When we do content, I would put it in the content. So I'm, you know, well known for kind of saying if there's something coming up or I've just created a new freebie, I will talk about it on the podcast and go, hey, I've just done this. Make sure there's a very easy URL, make sure it's linked in the show notes and I will send people to it that way as well. So I think it's just a case of you can you can do it organically on social. And I do see a nice little kind of constant trickle when I'm not advertising, but it's there and they're sat on the site as well. Yeah. However, when I've really when you're really going all out, advertising is best and mm. and putting it through there for me is where you'd be making it work best. Yeah. You said that before, I just touched on the fact you said you're used to speaking in dollars instead of pounds. Yeah. Is this kind of uh, approach more common with American brands than UK brands? For sure. American are, I think generally they're much more confident at asking people to do things. Yeah. So whereas I think in the UK we're quite reserved mm. in terms of we don't want to be too aggressive in our strategy. And I still stand by that. It's not that I think being really aggressive is a good strategy, but I think there's a balance. I think having the confidence to go, do you know what? I've I've got this thing or this thing is really good. Mm. You want to go and check that out or you want to go and have a look at it or make sure you get a chance to download it because yeah. actually it is going to help or it is a great discount or this is a great opportunity or, you know, you really want to make sure you enter this competition. So I think being very direct in your communication is a really positive thing mm. because again, obviously I do a lot of stuff in the States and they have a very different way to think about it than we do. But basically they put it in a way that if you have a product or service that is solving a problem, which lots of products and services do, and you are not putting that out there to the world and you are not asking people to come and buy it, you're doing them an injustice. Like literally, and some of the psychology around this it's is like hilarious. Brilliant. Like <laughs> honestly, they say, you know, imagine they're currently in a in the middle of the ocean and they're waiting for your life raft. Like, and, and you're product is your life rough. and okay you know I, I don't know how much I take that but it just is another way of thinking it's that confidence mm. of no this is really good I've got a really good product and and also the confidence that I guess especially in my industry there are a million of us you know Google social media speak, speakers or social media experts or digital marketing speakers there is you can take a big pick like mm. honestly there's loads however Having the confidence in you and what you do that says, do you know what, I, you know, if you like this sort of thing, you're going to really like this. Mm. You know, if I'm not for you, then that's cool. I'm not for you. And there are a million other people you can go and have a look yeah. at. But just having that confidence, I think they do it way better than we do. Mm. Sometimes they tip over the edge a bit or from my point of view, they might do just because they are so confident. Mm. Um, I did some sales training once in the States. Oh, my goodness. It scared the living life out of me. Like, literally, do not let them off the phone until they buy. And it's like, yeah. oh, my God, that's horrible. It's like, like when you watch TV in America, it's just like advert after advert after advert. Yeah. And I guess I do agree with you, um, whereas I think some marketers can feel like they're walking on eggshells slightly saying, well, we don't want to put them off. Like, we don't want to, mm -hmm. um, you know, like 
bombard them. So you do take that some more cautious approach and maybe yeah. do end up doing your product or uh, whatever it is that you're selling a bit of a disservice. But I guess, say, if you were then speak, if this is a UK, US thing, if you were then speaking to a UK audience, would they feel the same way that I feel when I'm watching TV in America where, mm. say, if it's that sort of clash, like, is that too much for some people? Yeah, I agree. I think, um, interestingly enough, some of the guys I've worked with in the States that have an international audience, when they go out and market themselves, the UK audience struggle with it the most. Mm. And they will get more negativeness from the UK audience than, say, the American or, or Australian. Yeah. And again, when I do a lead magnet for myself, Australia and America eat it up. The UK struggle a bit with it. Mm. And it's not to say that it's it doesn't work. It's just, it's a different mindset. It's a different, um, it's it's not as established here as it is those places. Yeah. So I think it's coming more and I think it's, it's going to get more established. But at this moment in time, mm we are a little bit more reserved about it. Yeah. Um, and again, with GDPR and that sort of thing, you know, uh, but America's just had the same thing happen to them. So they have the, the now very similar rules to how we have here. So again, it's just a case of being really open and honest about stuff. So when I ask people mm. to opt in, it's like, I'm going to give you cool stuff every week. I'm going to email you every week and tell you about these amazing things. If you don't want it, no worries, unsubscribe. And I think it's having that confidence of, like you said, with, with marketers, you don't want to upset anybody or offend anybody or you don't yeah. want to irritate anybody. But it's having that confidence to go, do you know what? If I market to them and they don't want it, then that's fine. They're not for us. Yeah. Good They're not our customers, yeah, exactly. you know, because if they were, they wouldn't mind the kind of conversation we're having or the tone of voice or whatever. Yeah. Because if that is so true and honest to you and your business and to your brand, then you want to attract like-minded people. Yeah, you shouldn't maybe sway away from that in the hope of just reaching more people. Cause, exactly, because yeah. the chances are all they you're going to do <laughs> yeah, is build your email list up. And as we all know, if you're unless you've got a bespoken house on which is going to cost you anyway because you're managing that, but if you're using one of the off-the-shelf, you know, Infusionsoft, ActiveCampaign, whatever it might be, the more you've got on your email list, the more expensive it is. Mm. And it runs into thousands. So actually... I want people to, you know, there's a very crude term, which I'm not going to say, but, you know, take action or move on. You know, I'm so, really curious now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like do something or get off the fence. So, <laughs> or something like that. So, you know, it, it's basically you're not that you, I want to force people and go either do this or leave. Mm. But I do want people to go, yeah, I do like it. Or I, no, I don't. You know, yeah. so because like you said, the chances are you're going to have all these people just sat on your list because it was nice and they're like yeah you know that's a nice prize or that's a nice thing or I didn't have to do too much for that yeah. they're going to be sat there and they're not going to buy so mm. for me I don't worry too much about offending and don't get me wrong I'm very cautious about how much I email how much I sell I try mm. and add value 60 70 percent and yeah. then sell the rest yeah, and I think that's the thing mm. again if it's coming from a genuine we've got an amazing product because we want to help this and you're creating content around that it's amazing. It's great. It's mm -hmm. a bit like when you look at Red Bull, you know, their content creation has nothing to do with their drink. Yeah. Their content creation is around a way of living mm -hmm. that Red Bull supports and obviously fits very well with that way of living. Yeah. But their content creation is around, we love life, we love doing this, and therefore let's promote that. And they look for like-minded people. Mm -hmm. And then the chance are those like-minded people will buy their product. Yeah. So it's not, they're not scared of kind of just saying, 
this is who we are. And if you want to join us, then great. We want you to. Yeah, it's got that you can tell they're really confident in knowing what all of their audience's affinities are, yeah. like not just to the product itself, which I think, yeah, you're right, makes a lot of difference. Absolutely. And it, that comes down as well to the lead magnet thing. So again, if you're going to do a lead magnet where you're giving away knowledge, you need to prove that you know that customer. Yeah. So for instance, you have to, I like to talk about it as if in the way that if I read something, it needs to go as if my head goes, oh, me too. Yeah. Like literally, yeah. if you are talking to the right person in the right place, they should be sat there thinking, are you in my head right now? Because mm. that's how I feel. So if you, um, and I'm going to literally just off the top of my head, so it could be dreadful, but the, go back to this baby thing that somehow has jumped in my head. There's a so, baby brand listening here somewhere going, yep, yeah, yep, right, sorry, just talking about that. that. <laughs> Um, and there's my husband listening, going, oh, my God, why is she talking about babies all the time? <laughs> I promise, I promise there's nothing in it. Um, so, yeah, if we go back to that and we talk about the fact of, um, God, I've completely lost my train. I'm sorry, my fault. <laughs> I'm going to bring, bring you back around again quickly, Teresa. Well, I can't remember that. Because while you were speaking, a question popped into my head. And that was this, does social lend itself more to this kind of American way of sort of hard selling and whatnot, rather than it does this kind of British uh, nuanced way of selling where, you know, we always hard, hold a light up to British wit and it's all very mm -hmm. general and that works for, great for TV. Do you think that's why on social some campaigns maybe don't do as well as they do because we don't do the bloody thing that we're meant to do, which is sell yeah, in the first absolutely, place? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think we're not direct enough. We're not um because you're competing against that timeline of like the smallest amount of time. Literally, as someone scrolls by, the speed in which we move through social now is phenomenal. And if you're not telling me what you've got and what you want me to do, yeah. I, I will move by in a second. Mm. I make this very mean joke, and I promise it comes from a good place, that we're all a little bit stupid and a bit lazy when it comes to social, as in, or online, because we basically, we need to be told because of the fact that we are being bombarded with messages all the time. And if you're not super direct, if you are not abundantly clear about what it is you've asked me to do mm. and tell me, and now you need to do this. Yeah. We're not going to do it and we'll get lost in that noise. And I think, like you said, exactly that. They're very good at being very direct, mm. addressing it immediately. So I'm left in no doubt in my mind, which means not only is that good for me because I know what I, I'm expected to do, but also it immediately makes me go, is that for me or isn't it? And I make my decision and I move on. Yeah. Whereas rather than kind of fumbling around and being a bit like, what are you trying to say to me? Whereas like TV advertising, I remember, you know, years ago when you'd watch an advert and you go, what's this for then? And you'd be waiting and almost the kind of uh, mystery was part of the whole thing around it. Mm. There's no way on this earth that would work on social. We, we would literally go, don't know what that is, moving on, see you later. And mm. we would just carry on do you think then we like do we like shoot ourselves in the foot by trying to keep that element of like clever wit and maybe we're like we'll write something say me and Theo both copywriters we'll write something <laughs> and be like oh I'm really proud of myself proud of that one but it might not do as well as you think or do the yeah. job that it's meant to probably because it's not actually just doing what it should Absolutely. And you know what? That links perfectly back to the thing I forgot, Yay. which is now come back into my head. Yes. <laughs> I told you we'd get that. <laughs> so one thing I was going to say is, is the fact that you need to talk directly to them. So I should sit and read that and go, oh, that's me. Mm. So go back to this baby thing. It should be a case of saying, you know, I know, I know what it's like as a new mum. You're terrified. You want to make sure you're doing the right things. Mm. Because if, if you're a new mum and 
as having been a mum, I can assure you it is terrifying. Um, and you would sit there and think, oh my God, no, I need to make sure everything's right. And I need to, you know, make sure everything's good. And, and if they're your customer, then you need to talk straight into their head like that. Yeah. So you need to identify them immediately and identify with them. Mm. And I think sometimes where, and I take my hat off to you guys, because I am not a copywriter at all. And this is why a podcast, because I can't write or I can write, but I don't like to write. It takes me forever. But that's the thing. You do these amazing creative lines. But the problem is sometimes on something like social, they're lost on people. They don't land. You literally need to be like, do you do this? Have you got this problem? Mm. And it is almost a bit like going back to those American TV ads, you know, because you can hear that in that. And it's and don't get me wrong. I don't want us to lose that kind of niceness that we've got but I do think that maybe to draw them in you need to bring that in straight away Mm. I was reviewing a sales page for someone yesterday and I was looking at it and they had this lovely uh, thing at the top a big header talking about you know um, an easier way to become a certain type of company and I was like but why do they even know they want to be that company Mm. like they don't know they do they don't know that you're the solution to their problem yeah it feels like you've skipped a step I agree like it you can't I, I get uh, not sad, but like I don't want it to get to a point where we've sort of lost that that witty element or lo- like lost the creativity. Um, like make it super simple and maybe too simple. Mm. But I guess it's knowing the difference between being simple and being bland. Whereas, as you said, yes, if someone's speaking directly into sure. your head, there's a power in understanding that emotion and getting that across. Yeah, and like that should be you know that that's that part of it for sure. Have you ever seen the film? Uh, is it What Women Want with Mel Gibson? Yes. Yes. That's it, that's <laughs> too fast. <laughs> You're just looking at me blankly. That's no, fine. That's fine. It's a classic. Okay, okay. No, seriously. One a day on this podcast oh, will be a, a reference that I... Okay. So seriously, check this out because from a marketing point of view, this is perfect. And considering it's such an old film... They work in advertising in the film as well, They do, they? okay. And one of the things that he does, it's a really funny film that basically Mel Gibson falls into a bath, gets electrocuted and suddenly can hear everybody, every woman's thoughts. Like literally, he'll walk down the road and he can hear what women are thinking like say that's a good thing or a curse (laughs) I'm not entirely sure (laughs) anyway because he works for this advertising company and they're selling I think it's like one Uh, of the big shoes it's Nike I think or it's meant to be Nike yeah so they're doing an advert for Nike and they're trying to sell these women's running trainers and basically the fact that he can hear people's thoughts gives him the most amazing yeah. content. He's trying to beat the current creative director who's a woman. Yeah. So by hearing her thoughts, he's like taking all of her ideas. Because I guess the truth of the matter is in that case is that we're not being honest. We might be thinking of these things, but the confidence to say them out loud, mm. which is why getting to know and getting under the skin of your customers is and really understanding how they feel yeah. about things and the emotion, bringing that into it. Mm. So that's where, like you said, it doesn't have to be bland, you know, do you want to turn over more money or do you want to sell more product or whatever, you know, do you like chocolate? It doesn't have to be bland, Mm. but it does have to be direct. Yeah, it's just like thinking what they'd be thinking and feeling and trying to tell yourself what you'd want to hear. Exactly. So if that was me, how would I want that? If if Mm. I was that customer, what would I want to see from that? And like you said, sometimes, and I don't think it's just a case of either getting rid of it altogether. I think it's just a case of on social, those few lines and those few, you know, the text on the images and those few things you put in the copy need to do that. But then once Mm. you take them somewhere, you can 
be a bit more creative. You mm. can be a bit more subtle in terms yeah. of your language yeah. and, and less aggressive mm. because by that point, they've taken the step to go and see what it is that you're doing. Mm. But it's that very first millisecond, you've got to answer my question straight away or I've got to relate to that straight away. And the other thing uh, that we use a lot is, is questions. So, you know, do you do this? Or, you know, we did one um, that was aimed at social media managers. Do you manage social media for other businesses? You know, because in your head, even though you might not think you're paying attention to it, you're subconsciously answering that in your head. Mm. And if you're answering no, that's cool. You're moving straight by. So again, I've immediately ruled out no one that I want to speak to. So, you know, if, if you're not my customer, don't carry on reading. Waste time for you and me. No worries. Whereas if you are, then you kind of go, yeah, that's me. And you, without even thinking, you might start to carry on. Now, whether you yeah. carry on and do the thing is up to you. But at least I've kind of pulled you in straight away with this thing. Yeah. So it's that first, like very shallow, like filter process, as you said before. For sure. And and like I said, it doesn't have to be aggressive sales. It just needs to be very direct and not not clever, you know, because mm. I think the problem is, and like like I joke, you know, we're stupid and lazy. Obviously, most people are not, but when it comes to social media and when it comes to digital, it's the fact that we're moving in such a fast-paced world and yeah. we are bombarded with messages and stuff that is like trying to get into our world Definitely. that I need to know really quickly whether is this for me or not for me. Yeah. And on that point then, Teresa, in that case, um, social, obviously, you know, we've, we've spoken about emotion, we've spoken about, you know, copywriters getting in, under the skin of their mm -hmm. audiences. Now, that's been made very easy through targeting, especially yeah. on Facebook. You can find out anything about somebody Amazing. now. So where then does social, in your opinion, fall on the superiority scale to email marketing, which you mm -hmm. said earlier in the podcast isn't dead, though yeah. people think it is? Yeah. So for me, it's another tool. Okay. So it's a, it's a really interesting argument to have because, like I said, you've got algorithms that are literally killing your organic reach. So even if you have got all these people liking your page, the chances of them seeing your posts are slim to none in mm. some cases. But then on an email, you're getting, what, 20%, 30% open rate, 5 10% if you're lucky, click-through rate. However, it's just another tool. So it's just a case of reconfirming that message showing up in another place. I like to joke that there's no algorithm in your inbox. I am my algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. So I decide whether I read that email, but it gets presented to me. Although Gmail is getting clever and it is filtering out stuff. But... Um, I am choosing to, to how much I engage with that email. And even if I just see you come into my inbox and I see your name and a title and I think not interested today, delete, you're still pinging into my head every kind of, you know, week or, I mean, yeah. some of the big brands, they email me daily. Mm. Daily, I delete their emails. I still haven't unsubscribed though. Yeah, no, I do exactly That's the same. Point. So, you know, it's, it, you'd have to. Is that to, not shared just uh, look, calling you lazy, but because I'm like that, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that no, not just sheer laziness? No, and it is a bit. It's yeah. like almost apathy. It's like I can't even be bothered, can yeah. I? Yeah. And, that's, a little button in and that's and half and, the thing. And I'm not saying we want people to have apathy when it comes to our marketing. However, that in itself is a tool because we're still appearing every day. Our yeah. brand is still throwing it up there. Of course, the other thing that you can do, which is also amazing, and people kind of think, well, why would you do that? But I'll explain, is once you've got them onto your email list, you can upload that email list back to Facebook and retarget them. So, and people kind of think, well, why would I do that? Because I've got them on my email list. What am I doing? But that's part of that journey. So, you know, you might have taken them all those steps to get on your lead magnet and, and 
promote that way, then once they're on, you can be much more direct. So you can reserve them ads that are buy from us. Here's a you know, a discount. Mm. Here's a offer that we're putting on right now. Go and check out this thing. They can be much more direct. And interestingly enough, um, we see an okay return on that. So when mm. we do a remarketing ad based to, onto a warm audience, when they've already been through all those steps, yeah. when we then advertise them something to buy, we'd see sales. Mm. Now we don't see sales like huge, but enough to easily cover our costs. So for me, that's still totally worth doing. And again, even if they don't buy straight off that ad, um, which obviously if you're doing a conversion ad or whatever, you can, you know, you can track that. But even if they don't buy straight off that ad, again, it's like putting it back in front of their face. So it's it's just that constant reminder of here you are again. Mm. And I would never I, worry about bombarding someone ever in a million years mm. because it's so easy to disengage. It's so easy to go unsubscribe, hide yeah. those posts. We have all the tools available to us. So, yeah. And if you are coming from an ad value point of view, then you're not – if you are literally just promoting stuff to sell all the time mm. – then it's going to get a bit tiresome. Yeah. But if there is I, something else. I always get remarketed to by the like same couple of brands that we've had this debate before. And I feel like with some of them, if it is at that remarketing stage, where sort of like the flirty stage has passed and we've got to like the third date or whatever, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> mind them being there. And I kind of get used to them being there. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I don't mind uh, them no. like, coming up all the time. And I almost appreciate it in some senses, like especially with um, clothes are a great example. Like, I'm not big on the whole clothes shopping. I do a lot of online if I do any clothes shopping, but I quite like them to show me what they've got just so I can go, mm, no, not today yeah. and move on. You know, so I don't mind those ads at all. Um, I think I, I find all ads fascinating from a weird marketing yeah, point of view, <laughs> but I don't mind those ads. And like I said, we have the control. Mm. Granted, not lots of people know about it. And I think maybe some education around it is probably a good thing, but we can hide ads. We mm. can find out why we've been marketed to or why we might be in their kind of catchment type thing um, and we can stop them we can say no I don't want to see this anymore yeah. I do that on YouTube all the time I find on YouTube I get served the same ad a huge amount of time yeah. like literally one straight after another so I hide ads on there all the time mm. but we've got the tools so I think I would I would just think yeah. If you're going to hide it, then you're not my and customer. And people will let you know that way, I guess, if they're not interested. It comes back to what we said before about if the people who are engaging with your stuff are engaging with it, mm -hmm. then they're the people you want. And if they're not, then that's fine. Then they're not for you, yeah. Mm. You touched on an interesting point there, Teresa. One that I uh, want to finish on was uh, education. So let's talk about a different education very quickly. Mm -hmm. In your experience, you know, we see social marketing, social CRM, and all of these terms that are very valuable, obviously, to people mm -hmm. like us. What has been your experience of CMOs from a more traditional background who claim to be digitally inept? Is this the argument that, right, these methods that we're using are seeing sales now? So you can stop kind of, you know, putting mm. social into that box in the corner. Yeah. Do you know what? I remember like many, many years ago, people going, do we really need websites? And it's a little bit like that with social. We're getting over it. Yeah. But for a long time, it's like, no, nah, we don't really need to do this. I think... I think what happened was too many people sold a dream. Too many people who didn't know what they were talking about went and said they jumped on the social media bandwagon really quick and went, I'm an expert. And then they were like, yeah, you're doing this wrong and, and you can achieve this and you can get this. And then businesses started to do it and they didn't. Mm. 
And they were like, well, this is rubbish. It doesn't work. When the truth is there was an imbalance between what they were expecting and what they were doing. So there was definitely some things that they were doing wrong. Again, I had exactly the same conversation not that long ago about ads. And someone said, oh, I did them. They didn't work. And I said, what ad did you do? And they told me. And basically they did an ad asking someone to buy a high ticket item to a cold audience. Yeah. Well, that's not going to work. Exactly. So it's that balance between don't expect the world but also make sure you're doing it properly so I've come full circle is what you said at the beginning like people put out a tweet and expect to make sales overnight which is just not yeah. the case and um, we were speaking uh, just briefly with our strategy director Mike talking about her, how Lush has taken their uh, UK yeah. channels down um, obviously because they said it wasn't working for them but Mike's actually looked into the nitty gritty of what they were doing and it's really similar they just weren't taking the right steps so yeah. they've figured out it doesn't work for them but they haven't actually given it a proper go. so. And I think the problem is sometimes you can see social as a, a necessary evil in the sense that you really do need to be part of that conversation. So it's all very well them coming off. And boy, that must save them a lot of time and a lot of content creation and a lot of things. And they can use time and effort and budget somewhere else. However, a conversation potentially is going on without them yeah. that they're not part of. Mm. And I think you have to be part of it. I think you can decide how you work that presence. You can decide what effort you put into it. You can decide how you want to use it. And there are definitely options there. But for brands not to do it full stop, personally, mm. that would not be my advice. Yeah. I think it, you've got to you've got to do it somehow. But you can certainly do it in a strategic and focused way where you go, do you know what? We're just here. We love Instagram. We're on Instagram. So we're not bothering with that. And we're not bothering with that. Come and find us here. You know, but to have that kind of presence where you're, it's the interaction. It's the whole kind of like, the fact that, that we, the brands are so accessible to us now, that's the bit that's brilliant. That's the bit that's amazing. And yeah, you are going to get the negative stuff and you are going to get people jumping onto Twitter every time they want to complain. But it's how you deal with that. And it's mm-hmm. how quickly you jump on that and go, yes, I'm so sorry. Please DM me and let's yeah. sort this out. I would you know? argue it's kind of your job as a brand to deal with that if that's where your customers are. Exactly. But. And... If you're doing something wrong, then fair enough, you know, just because they're doing it in a more public domain. But what would you rather have? Would you rather not be on a social platform and have a rampage of angry people shouting about you, which you are you can have no effect over? Or would you rather be there that the minute I tweet or someone tweets going, this is disgusting, that you immediately go back or as quick as you can go, OK, we can let's deal with this. Let's sort this mm, out, you know, yeah. so for me, I would much rather say it'd be safer to be in that conversation yeah. than out of it. And also, you've got to care what people think to have that conversation, haven't you? Of course. I think the answer's simple there, isn't it? Yeah, so fantastic. <laughs> thank you first. very much thank you. for coming on. And yeah, we'll wrap up there. You. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 